This episode has been brought to you in part by the Azrieli Music Prizes. Join them in celebrating artistic excellence at the AMP Gala Concert, live from Maison Symphonique in Montreal, happening October 20th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Orchestre Metropolitain will premiere award-winning music by laureates Aharon Harla, Iman Habibi, and Rita Ueda. Learn more at azrielifoundation.org backslash AMP. There's lots of ways to roll out dough for your hella or for anything that you're braiding. And some people like to start with balls of dough. That's an Instagram video by the veteran Canadian cookbook author and teacher Bonnie Stern with her daughter Anna Rupert prompting her in the family's Toronto kitchen as Stern shows the proper technique to make her special crown-shaped challah breads for the Jewish High Holidays. The recipe is one of 125 contained in the mother and daughter duo's first cookbook collaboration. It's called Don't Worry, Just Cook, and it came out just in time for the Jewish High Holidays and Thanksgiving. For Stern, being on Instagram is a logical step in a career that spanned nearly 50 years. She got her start in the cooking world in 1973 when she freaked her parents out by turning her back on her university degree in English and a career as a librarian, and instead she went to cooking school and then opened her own at age 26. She's now got over a dozen books to her name, she's hosted cooking shows on TV, and now she runs sold-out food tours to Israel and other places and a monthly book club. But it's been over a decade since Stern's last book came out, and in that time, the food world has changed dramatically, with so much of it being done and seen on social media. Stern hopes her new book captures the right flavor of how people should approach cooking right now, in a post-pandemic world. I want people to do to home cook and love each other and cook for them and build those connections and warmth and that kind of feeling. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, September the 29th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. The new cookbook has pretty high-profile fans. Adina Sussman and Yotam Otolenghi both wrote introductions for it. Meanwhile, the Stern family handled production during the pandemic. Her daughter Anna, who is not a chef but a speech-language pathologist, was in charge of the photography shoots, and her brother Mark does the social media and video. Although Anna's been cooking at her mother's side since she was little, you might be surprised to learn that both kids were super picky eaters when they were growing up, and they would eat only peanut butter sandwiches every single day for lunch at school, much to the chagrin of their mother. Coming up, you'll hear some of these stories behind the recipes in Anna and Bonnie's new book and find out what they suggest you cook for the high holidays and Thanksgiving. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Leonard Vanek in Toronto, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. A couple of business stories to update you on now. First, from Vancouver, where fundraising for the new Jewish Community Centre project called J-West just got a big cash infusion, thanks to a large pledge from one of the wealthiest families in B.C. Leslie and Gordon Diamond will contribute $25 million towards the new complex. The Family Foundation's donation pushes the community's fundraising total now for the capital campaign closer to its goal of $125 million for a new JCC, high school, affordable housing, library, and Holocaust Center. Meanwhile, in other business news, Apotex, the pharmaceutical company founded by the late Barry Sherman, 
has agreed to be sold off to an American investor. Sherman was murdered alongside with his wife, Honey, in Toronto in 2017. SK Capital of New York made the announcement with Apotex on Wednesday. They didn't say how much the deal is worth. It still has to be approved by government regulators. Last year, Toronto police announced they had a suspect in the murders, the so-called walking man who was seen on security cameras outside the family's home at the time of the murders. But no arrests have ever been made. And joining us now are Bonnie Stern and her daughter, Anna Rupert, who you'll hear first, speaking to me from Bonnie's family kitchen. How has the reception been so far? You must be crazy busy. The the most amazing thing is that people are saying that the, the feeling we were hoping mm. to to, that the book would give actually delivers, you know, it, it's come across. And, you know, my mom has written so many cookbooks before, but it's been a while. And she's telling me how different it is that in this age of social media, you know, people are messaging us. We're seeing it in their kitchens. We're seeing what they're making okay. already. It's so it, exciting. It's, it's unbelievable. Well, let's talk, let's talk a bit about that. As you said, this is the first cookbook you've written in a, a decade. Uh, plus you wrote it. When the world changed, when you were writing cookbooks and teaching, people weren't getting their recipes off Instagram or, you know, off the Internet. So how do you think people are reading cookbooks now? Cookbooks now have lots more pictures than they used to. And I think people expect that and want that. That is a big difference. Um, I also think that people like to know who the authors are and if it's, an, if it's a name that they recognize or that someone tells them about or it's a personal recommendation more than just something off the internet, I think that helps. But I think that you are right that lots of people do get their recipes from the internet and, um, and, and there's so many different places to get recipes from nowadays. Who are some of the people you watch if if at all uh, both of you either of you well i mean we're both more instagram users than tiktok um but on instagram there are just incredible people to follow i mean we were i've been pretty inspired by adina sussman's uh reels i think mm-hmm. she's incredible and just right. i i really love i think both of us we really love the people on social media or on instagram because that's where we are that their personality comes through and you can really get a sense of who they are do you need to get to their yes. soup on the on the chicken stove? Soup. So she's just going to turn down the heat on the on the. On we the need to soup. know what kind of soup it is. Chicken soup for for you know starting the prep for Rosh Hashanah. I think the one thing about social media that's a li- and and Instagram that's a little bit intimidating is that things look so beautiful. <laughs> and what we're trying to do with Don't Worry, Just Cook is say that perfection isn't the goal with home cooking and that it isn't the same as a restaurant meal or something that has to be absolutely perfect looking or perfect in any way, that it's so much more about the feeling that you have about cooking for someone and providing comfort and providing, uh, you know, a a And being in the company of people that you love, which is something that we haven't had for a little while couple of years ago when people could not have the first you know year of, of the Jewish holidays into 2020 it was huge depression and shock and trauma for a lot of people yeah. how has that influenced the recipes you put in this book which is coming out when people maybe will be together I think that in terms of the book and the choice of the recipes it didn't sort of directly change what we were going to do but I think it really influenced how like an an added level of meaning and importance mm-hmm. to it and one of the things that my mom can speak to that that I think she's become the expert in is as we've 
come back into this world of having people over and serving. Maybe you have new considerations. Like we have, you have so many mini tongs now so that people, (laughs) everyone could come over and have their own set of mini tongs to like serve. And yeah. And I think it's also different people are reacting differently the same way. Some people are still wearing masks and some people never want to see a mask again. So when you have people over, some people might be hesitant to share food and have family style and sort of want their own plate of things. And some people are just diving in. So I think you have to be just respectful of that. And everybody has gone through this pandemic with a different set of fears and worries. And I think as long as we're respectful of where everyone is in this, we'll all be able to come together again. Now, I want to just peel back the uh, curtain a little bit and, and the Wizard of Oz type thing. I've always been curious, you know, you had, you have to churn out all these recipes. How many fridges do you have? How many freezers do you have? In your home? Or do you do it in a ghost kitchen, not a ghost kitchen, but like an industrial kitchen? Where does all this magic happen? Uh, well, um, right here, right here. <laughs> and I, I have one, two, three, four ovens and two of them are on the fritz. And um, during the pandemic, three of them were on the fritz and I end up using this small a Breville Smart Oven for just about every single recipe I tested. And it was amazing. We do have um, a number of fridges. Two fridges. Two fridges, big fridges. And we have um, a number of freezers because (laughs) we, we have one in the garage. We have one in my husband's office. And then we have freezer drawers that we thought the freezer (laughs) situation they've been. So we're at my parents' house right now and, and my mom, my mom's kitchen and, the freezers have been popping up all over the house. It's true. Sort yeah. of accidentally. We're still working on getting everything working properly. We're talking now uh, before the holidays, but uh, what are you cooking for your yantuf? You said that you're just making soup now, but what is your plan? We don't have that big a group. I mean, I'm still not having, you know, 25 people over for dinner. And so I don't have to make as many different things to make sure that we have like most of my family loves to have chicken soup with matzo balls, but some people are vegetarian, but we, I, we don't have any vegetarians this year. <laughs> this year so so we don't that. have to make the orange soup, the Israeli orange soup that's in there. And not that I mind making it. I don't at all because it's so delicious. Everything is so delicious. But um, I like to make the things that people get comfort from. So when I'm having a holiday meal, Uh, like Rosh Hashanah, or even just a holiday meal like Thanksgiving. I like to make the things that people want and expect every year, except for the last two years, and that they feel that they're being comforted by. And And so for for Rosh Hashanah, Uh um, we're we're making brisket. And it's become, it's almost like, and also after the summer, we have, we don't really have brisket during the, during the summer. Um, and so it's become for Rosh Hashanah, right. this like return of brisket <laughs> celebration. Um, and so that's very exciting. And then I know you were just going to say something. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, make the main things that people feel comforted by, but if you want to try something new, Put in one or two new recipes, but not too many that it's overwhelming for people that they're not getting what they've been really wanting when they think about what brings them comfort. Yes. I take it that you're not a big fan of gefilte fish. 
I am not, if we're being honest. She is different. Yeah. Uh, I like gefilte fish because my mother <laughs> made gefilte fish and I grew up with gefilte fish. And um, I don't mind it at all. And I think that, you know, you can make it and I, it can be really delicious. But um, most of my family doesn't love it the way I do. And so I don't make it. What we have in the book, actually, are these delicious fish kebabs which is ground fish. It's sort of the Middle Eastern Israeli version of gefilte fish in that the fish is ground, but there's lots of spices in it and cilantro and herbs. And um, we put it in a wonderful casserole with tomatoes and things like that. And that could be served instead of gefilte fish if you're looking for something that sort of has that same type of vibe. What was left for you to say? Because you've written so many books and you've been at this for a long time. So I'm interested in how you felt you had more to say. Uh, Well, I think that there's different generations to talk to. I think that um, there's always more to say about cooking. I'm always learning something more about cooking and I've always wanted to pass on what I've learned. I'm never one to keep secrets about things. I don't leave out ingredients on purpose and I don't... um, I want people to be successful. My main goal, I always called myself a social worker in the kitchen. My main goal was to write recipes so that people would be successful. And if they're successful, they want to cook more. And that's what I want. I really connected with the story about making this particular recipe uh, that will never be the same as the person who actually made it. But you still try every year because that is my life yeah, okay. with yeah, I, I totally but it's yeah. you still try and then you look at the people who's who know how it tastes and they look at you and they go you didn't almost anyway. almost keep trying you still, try. you still try do you want to tell the story about the apple the apple dessert that um my husband really loves and i never make it exactly it like was his, his mother's yeah. yes and i keep trying and sometimes I read a recipe that sounds like it's going to be right. And so I make it. Well, it's not really right. And he still eats all the apple desserts and he still loves them. But it's just not his mother's yet. Yeah. Same with me and my uh, mother-in-law, Ruth Friedland's peach pie. <laughs> Keep trying. <laughs> my husband goes, you didn't roll. You got to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, as far as the book itself, it's not a kosher book because there's shrimp in it, right? Of course. What thought? did you have about when you were putting this in to make it more acceptable for kosherness or was that not part of the, you know? Well, I think I do give substitutions for things. I do respect people who are kosher and I want them to be able to use the book and feel good about it. Um, But I'm not kosher myself, so I don't like to pretend that I'm an expert in this. All right. And I really like the story you mentioned about picky eating. So I I think lots of people will relate to this. Can you tell us what your son ate for school lunch every single day and what happened when you tried to change? So my kids were very discriminating, let's say fussy eaters. And uh, I was one too. So I always have, again, respect for that. And I never sort of made my children eat things that they didn't like or want because I wanted them to love to cook and I wanted them to love to eat food. What do you want to say about that? No, it's good. It worked. <laughs> okay. I don't they, know. I grew up. <laughs> and they love food now. You know, usually kids who are fussy still end up, you know, loving good food later on. So you don't have to worry too much about There's it. There's hope. There's hope. But um, 
my son loved peanut butter sandwiches. Like he just loved them. And, and he started uh, preschool and everything. He always took a peanut butter sandwich. And then by the time he got to grade two, I thought, you know, here I am, Bonnie Stern, and he's still eating the same peanut butter sandwich. And um, maybe I should give him something else. Um, and I didn't mean to make it a surprise, but he loved cheese slices. And so I thought I could make a cheese slice sandwich and it wouldn't be too far away from the peanut butter sandwich. And he came home from school that day and he, he was really cute and he put his little hands on his little hips and he looked at me and he said, you know, mom, when I want to change, I'll ask for it. School is so tough. I need a lunch I can depend on. And it just broke my heart. And I just never argued with the kids again after that. <laughs> and full respect and full whatever, you know, they wanted to do. Is that true? Yes. I, I took peanut butter banana every day until I was in probably grade 12. <laughs> but let's talk about how you two have now, uh, you're out on the road, so to speak, with Zoom and what have you, and, and physically on the road too, you're doing yeah. events. You know, how much fun has it been for the two of you to, I mean, and, and also hard to get this book birthed? We really sort of respected each other and she obviously brought the stories and the recipes and right. she and I my whole sort of adult life have talked about recipes and what we should cook and how maybe we could change mm -hmm. them and what we could do and so we just talked through that with all of the recipes and it and it translated into writing them onto the page it, it was it just seemed to happen didn't it I don't think yeah. that we really uh, mapped it out and I think now looking back on it we were really lucky we were really lucky and it makes it feel so personal and bonnie how has it been to watch your daughter be involved in something professional with you it was really wonderful and it was kind of a natural progression because we've always worked together in the kitchen and um anna is so good she picks up things so quickly and she's so good at everything i could never be a speech pathologist but she can cook a mean wow. dinner and um I could and, never be Bonnie Stern let's be honest yeah. well I'm, I'm not so sure about that but no um, it's hard listen that you brought up something very important it's a whole living up to that reputation it can't have been easy when you started cooking right uh, Anna um yes except that I mean true to who my mom is like I will make something and I know it's not that good and she this is the best thing that's ever been made. Like she really is my my number one fan and um, it, it helps, it goes a long way. It was really a privilege to be able to spend the time together. And from my point of view, really an honor to get to know my grown up daughter and how um, really incredible she is. You know, every every person who cooks in the house, I'm not going to say the mother, because it could be the father or whoever uh, who's living in the household who is the cook, uh, welcomes help in the kitchen. But not at the last minute when they're showing up saying, what can I do when it's five minutes before dinner? Right. Yeah. So what advice do you have for people who are, you know, making these big holiday dinners? When should you start getting people to help you? Uh, I think that you have to be very organized, depending on on how much you cook and depending on how many people you're having and how many different dishes you're having, I think that you should start planning a, a couple of weeks in advance at least and find out, you know, uh, if anybody is allergic to anything or intolerances so that, you know, you don't want to find that out at the last minute and then not have something that they can eat. And also 
you want to you want to make sure that you have enough oven space for everything and i like to recommend that a lot of foods can be served salad style like even roasted vegetables we serve them at room temperature and um and and it really helps the more you're organized the less panic you feel when the time comes around and i think you can work out what you can do ahead what you can make ahead and even freeze what you can um, do so that there isn't a lot to do at the last minute. And I like people to have one thing at the most that they have to do at the last minute. So um, it's, it's organization. You know, people say, I don't know how to get all the food on the table at the same time. And I say, that's not a problem of cooking. It's a problem of planning. I noticed you, you mentioned allergies. So let's just quickly talk about that before we end. When you came out with your last cookbook, gluten-free wasn't really that big a thing. Vegan was sort of starting only like Brad Pitt was, and you know, was doing raw food and that kind of stuff. Nowadays, it's very important and also conscious choices of what people are mm-hmm. eating. How have you negotiated or navigated that different world for what you're putting in your book compared to when you last wrote one? It's a good question because it is hard to get um, a dinner, a, a table full of people all eating the same food. So what I like to do, and I do do this most of the time also, because as you say, you know, you're, you're looking to go easy on the planet as well, but to do most of it vegetarian and then only have one or maybe two things. Like in this menu, I do have chicken soup and I have brisket, but normally maybe the soup would be a vegetarian soup and the salads, of course, and side dishes and dessert are normally vegetarian for us anyway. But, you know, not put those extra ingredients in those dishes that would cause someone not be able to eat them if, um, you know, if if they didn't eat meat. You know, even in the book, I've got... Um, salad niçoise but with a steak and you can make it with fish and you can make it with chicken of course but what I usually recommend and what I do is I serve the salad separate than the protein unless it's all vegetarian like chickpeas or um, tofu in the salad and then people can sort of choose what they want out of it from what they eat and, and then for if, if I can add so mm-hmm. I'm gluten free and um, it's been about 13 years. So it's been about since the last Mm -hmm. book came out. Um, And my dad has always been lactose intolerant. So I would say my mom has always, (laughs) has always had to deal with, you know, a few things. Um, And fussy. Yeah. And the fussy factor. Um, So it, it was part of her previous books for sure. But as you say, it's, it's increased, it's increased Mm -hmm. since then. And so in this book, um, we, you know, at the beginning, we have sort of a note on dietary modifications. And so we talk about, especially with the gluten-free aspect, how we sort of have handled that Mm -hmm. throughout the book and how we handle it at home. Um, You know, for example, uh, substituting a a measure for measure flour, uh, cup for cup with the number four in the middle is the one that we love to use. It's a little hard to find. Um, But but that, you know, it won't work for bread. So, mm-hmm. you know, feel, you know, you can substitute it throughout the book, except in, let's say, the, yeast, bre- the bread. yeast breads. Um, and so we've talked about how to accommodate that throughout the book. Um, and then within specific recipes, we also talk about mm-hmm. different ideas that are specific to that recipe, the same for vegan, the same for mm-hmm. kosher. Um, and so, yeah, I guess there's a, a little bit more of a focus on making those accommodations. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Ellen Thompson of Toronto. And I want to end with a little story about the high holidays. When I was growing up, my mother used to bake all summer to prepare desserts for the high holidays so they'd be ready in large quantities for the big family meals we'd have after services, which we would celebrate together with my aunt and uncle and my three cousins who all lived across the street. She would make brownies and lemon squares and something like Hello Dollies, which she called Auntie Mia squares, and she would put them all in the freezer in our furnace room in the basement, and they'd be carefully wrapped And my sister and I, well, actually mostly me, would sneak into that freezer and we'd steal a lot of those frozen goodies because they tasted even better frozen. And who could resist all those treats just sitting there for weeks before we were allowed to have any? Mom used to get so mad at us. She even locked the freezer and hid the key, which we always found. But her yummy holiday baking of my favorite desserts is one of my fondest memories of the high holidays. And by the way, speaking about Bonnie Stearns, I made four of the recipes from their new cookbook for the first night of Rosh Hashanah. The link to the book and Bonnie's website is in our show notes. Thanks for listening.